0: You're listening to Randall Wallace presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American History podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. So Nixon called me. I told Erickson that last night, Smathers at noon today,
1: and then Nixon just hung up. Said he wanted to make it abundantly clear that. Uh, he knew nothing about it. anybody had been talking to him, and he knew George Bald and some of the other Humphrey people were very gleeful and said they'd pulled all this off, but he knew that wasn't right. And that they were appealing to Hanoi, and it was naturally guessed that some of his friends had thought that uh, he might be harder on Hanoi than I was, therefore Hanoi ought to meet now, that some of his friends might think that I would be harder on South Vietnamese than he would be, but that that did not represent his view. Uh-huh. And that he was willing to go to Saigon seat you immediately after the election, or to go to Paris, or to do anything that I ask him to do, or anything that you want him to do. Yeah, tell him I'll meet the friend. No. No. He said that I'll meet the <laughs>
0: Welcome to Bridging the Political Gap This is Randall Wallace again And we're going to do four more calls In their entirety All but one of them in their entirety I only have a portion of a one call with Dean Rusk But uh, you're going to hear Senator Everett Dirksen Where uh, Lyndon Johnson talks to him Trying to send a message off to Richard Nixon About what's going on Then President Nixon's going to call him And they're going to have a long talk And you're going to hear what Nixon's reaction to it is And, and you're going to get the whole call um, and that will be followed up by a call right afterwards that's the one that's not, and it's completely the whole call, but it's with Dean Rusk. And then finally you'll have a call that is uh, Dean Rusk and Clark Clifford, who is the defense secretary, I think, at this point, um, and had been an advisor, longtime friend of President Johnson's. And they're going to discuss what to do because there's a story brewing um, in Vietnam about from the Christian Science Monitor that if you watch the Rachel Maddow show, you heard them talking about it. So they're they're discussing uh, what to say and uh, and how to handle that. So, but it is about this, this situation, um, and so you're going to hear them all in their entirety, and you can use that to make up your mind from there.
2: Hello.
1: Everett, how are you? All right. Uh, I want to talk to you as a friend and very confidentially because I think that we're we're skirting on dangerous ground, and I thought I ought to give you the facts, and uh, you ought to uh, pass them on if you choose. If you don't, why, then I will a little later. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, on October the 13th, uh, an agreement with uh, Chu and Key concerning the bombing halt. Yeah. Uh, at that time, uh, President Chu stressed, "quote There must not be a long delay." Yeah. That is a delay between the halt and the conference. Yeah. On October the fifteenth, Chu agreed to a proposal that uh, we had worked out of thirty-six hours. Yeah. On October the 23rd, after the North Vietnamese demanded two or three weeks, yeah. Chew reluctantly agreed to three days delay. On October the 28th, we agreed on a joint announcement. Yeah. Bunker and Abrams reached an explicit agreement with Chu. That the gap between the bombing and the talks would be two or three days. Yeah. With three days the outer limit. Yeah. Uh both Q and Key stressed on us the importance of a minimum delay. Yeah. Then we got some of our friends involved. Uh-huh. Uh some of it your old China crowd. Yeah. And uh Here's the latest latest uh, information we got. Uh the uh, the agent says that uh, she's just they just talked to the boss in New Mexico uh-huh. and that he says that you must hold out that uh, uh just hold on until after the election. Now uh, uh we know what Chu is saying to them out there. Yeah. We we are we're pretty well informed on both ends. Yeah. Uh, Nixon's man traveling with him today said, uh, quote, that uh, he did not understand that Chu was not aboard. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Who was that Harlow? Uh, we don't know. We have no idea uh he speaks through these unknown people yeah now we told uh, nixon as we told you uh that uh, well let me get the transcript uh while this was going on we went out to chew and talked to him and all of our allied countries and they all tentatively agreed yeah now since that agreement we have had problems develop. First, there's been speeches that we ought to withdraw troops. Yeah, that was Humphrey and uh, uh, Bundy. Yeah. Or that we stop bombing without any obtaining anything in return. Yeah. Or some of our folks, including some of the old China lobby, are going to the Vietnamese embassy and saying, please notify the president that if he'll hold out till November the 2nd, they could get a better deal. Uh-huh. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they ought to be doing this. This is treason. I know. Uh, I don't know whether it's Laird, I don't know who it is that uh, is putting it out, but here is the UPI 48 that came in tonight. Yeah. And I'm calling you only after talking to Rusk and Clifford and all of them who thought that somebody ought to be notified as to what's happening. Here's Here's the Nixon release. A highly placed aide to Nixon said today the South Vietnamese decision to boycott the parish talks did not jive with the confidential assurances given the three major candidates by Johnson. Uh-huh We had the impression That all the diplomatic ducks Were in a row Said the Nixon associate
2: Yeah
1: now, I just read you What I told him. Yeah And I told you that And I told everybody else Johnson got Nixon Democratic candidate Humphrey, And third party Hopeful Wallace On a conference call About the bombing Yeah The advisor Nixon's advisor Volunteered the GOP's Candidate reaction On the condition That he not be identified Uh-huh Nixon said the advisor felt that Saigon's refusal to attend the negotiation could jeopardize the military and the diplomatic situation in Vietnam yeah. and reflect the credibility of this administration. Yeah. now I can identify them because I know who's who's doing this. I don't want to identify it. I think it would shock America if a principal candidate was playing with the a source like this uh, on a matter this important yeah. I don't want to do that yeah. but if they're going to put this kind of stuff out uh, they ought to know that uh, uh, that that we know what they're doing I know who they're talking to and I know what they're saying yeah. and my judgment is that Nixon ought to play it just like he has all along that I want to see peace come the first day we can. That it's not going to affect the election one way or the other. The conference is not even going to be held until after the election. Uh, They have stopped shelling the cities. They have uh, stopped uh, going across the DMZ. Uh, We've had uh, had 24 hours of relative peace. Now, if Nixon keeps the South Vietnamese away from the conference, Well, that's gonna be his responsibility. Yeah. Up to this point, that's why they're not there. Yeah. I had them signed on board until this happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, what do you think we ought to do about it? Well, I better get in touch with him, I think, and tell him about it. I think you better tell him that his people are saying to these folks, that uh, they oughtn't to go through this meeting now if they don't go through the meeting it's not going to be me that's hurt. I think it's going to be whoever's elected and yeah, maybe no. my guess him yeah. and I think they're making a very serious mistake and I don't want to I don't want to uh, say this yeah. and you're the only one I'm going to say it to yeah. I understood okay. don't know I don't know all I know is that uh, uh, I read you what I told him on, on the three candidates, just yeah. as I told you. Yeah. I said, now, uh, there has been speeches that some we ought to withdraw troops, and including some of the old China crowd that are going in and plying to the embassies. Yeah. Now, Everett, I know what happens there. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I'm looking at his whole card. Yeah. Now, I don't want to get in a fight with him there. Uh, I think Nixon's going to be elected. Yeah. And I think we ought to have peace. Now, I'm going to work with him. Uh-huh. I work with you. Uh-huh. But I don't want these sons of bitches like Laird giving out announcements like this that Johnson gave him the wrong impression. Yeah. I gave him the right impression, except I gave it to him decently yeah. uh, when I said that uh, uh, you ought to keep the Miss Chenault and all the rest of them from running around here. Yeah. Now, you see, I know what Q says to his people out there. Yeah. I haven't I seen Laird. Well, I don't, I don't know who it is It's with next It may be Laird, it may be Harlow, it may be uh, Mitchell. I don't know who it is. I know this. That they're contacting a foreign power in the middle of a war. That's a mistake. And it's a damn bad mistake. Oh, and I don't want to say so. And you're the only man that I have enough confidence in yeah. to tell them. But you better tell them they better quit playing with it. And the day after the election, I'll sit down with all of you and try to work it out and be helpful. Yeah. But they oughtn't to. They oughtn't to knock out this conference wherever they are. I'll get try to get a hold of them tonight. Well, there are two things that they ought to do. One is they ought to stop this business about trying to keep the conference from taking place. Yes, it right. takes place the day after the election. Exactly. The second thing is we can all sit down and talk about it uh, uh, after that time. And I'm not. I'm not a bitter partisan here, and you know it. I know. Well. I'll try to find a the way they are tonight. Well, you just tell them that their people are messing around in this thing, and if they don't want it on the front pages, yeah. they better quit it, number one. Yeah. Number two, they, 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 we better sit down and talk about it as soon as this thing's over with, and we'll try to work out a... That's right. And they ought to in, in tell their people that are contacting these embassies to yeah. go on with the
0: conference. Right. Okay. I agree. Thank you. Now, part of the folk folklore around uh, this Chenault affair and Nixon's cover-up is that he had, he launched a cover-up on Meet the Press uh, before he called President Johnson. But the truth is that Nixon had not done these shows, uh, the national shows, at all during the campaign. So he had agreed finally because, frankly, Hubert Humphrey was now surging in the polls, and so this thing was going to get was getting super close to do two of them face the nation uh, on the twenty-seventh of October and the Meet the Press uh, show that was the weekend before. And this was largely to, to get out of that scripted uh, uh, format that he had been doing because they had been very much more scripted this time than they had been in 1960. I guess you you know, you know learn from past mistakes. But anyway, he gets on and does this show. And to show you, there was nothing because there's, a, there's sort of this implied that he came on Meet the Press to do nothing but undo... Uh, you know, keep Lyndon Johnson at bay. But the truth is he agreed to do this uh, because they'd been after him for a while and the election was tightening up. And here's here's the producer, before we go to the phone call with uh, President Johnson, here's the producer of Meet the Press talking about the show and, frankly, how well President Nixon
3: did. on The Nixon interview in 68, the Sunday before the election on Tuesday, was probably significant. He had declined to do interviews for the whole campaign for a program such as Meet the Press. He, they did some set-up interviews of their own. They would pick the audience and they would tape it and offer it to local programs around the country. But he did not do any of the big national programs, and we had hounded him and urged and urged and I remember a woman calling up, and I took the telephone call one time and just lambasting Meet the Press because we had had not interviewed Nixon. And I said, we would love to interview Mr. Nixon, but he has declined to go on. Repeated invitations have gone to him. She said, what? And I said, yes, he just does not want to do that. And she said, well, I know some of those people. I'm going to talk to them. That's outrageous if you won't do it. <laughs> and they did decide, and I don't think it had anything to do with this particular woman because this was probably a few weeks before. But finally, at the, toward the end of the campaign, his, uh, Frank Shakespeare, who was his television advisor, decided he probably had made a mistake by not being available on some of these shows. And he agreed to do two. I think he did face the nation a week before the election and scheduled Meet the Press, which was the, the Sunday before, which was the choice time. He was going to be in California, and we had to go out there to do it. But we eagerly did that. And I remembered uh, well, there were a number of reporters who were going to be there. I don't know if we took any. But sometimes we would pay expenses for reporters to go. One of the reporters who was on the panel out there was... Haynes Johnson, a Nobel Prize winning uh, writer uh, who was with the Washington Post, and he traveled right after the show went through the South, he said, for the last day or so of the campaign. And he said he heard many favorable comments about how Nixon had done on that program and that he really thought it was conceivable that could have made the difference in the election. You never really know. You can't prove. But it, it certainly... Uh, we thought that Nixon handled himself quite well on that show. And I know Frank Shakespeare has said it was the one mistake he felt they had made in the campaign was not to have done some interviews uh, such as this earlier. I guess people did start to resent the contrived programs that, that they had been presenting as, as press interviews. You just can't interview yourself, which in essence is what they were doing.
2: Hello. Uh, Mr. President. Yes. This is Dick Nixon. Yes, Dick. I just wanted you
1: to know that I got a report from every Dirksen with regard to your call, and uh, I uh, just went on Meet the Press, and I uh, said it uh, on Meet the Press that uh, I had uh, given you my personal assurance that uh, I would do everything possible. Do that. I would do it. That I felt, Hannah. I felt Saigon should come to the, to the conference table. Uh, that I would. Uh, if you felt it was necessary, go there or go to Paris. anything you wanted. I just wanted you to know that uh, I feel very, very strongly about this. And uh, any uh, any uh, rumblings around about uh, somebody uh, trying to uh, sabotage the Saigon government. Now here's here's the history of it. I didn't want to call you, but I wanted you I, I wanted you to know what happened. Uh, uh, the UPI ran a story, c- quoting I guess it was Banks that a highly placed aide to Nixon said today the South Vietnamese decision to boycott the Paris talks did not jibe with the assurances given to major presidential candidates by Johnson. Uh, then it says, Nixon said the advisor felt that Saigon's refusal to attend the expanded negotiation could jeopardize the military and diplomatic situation in Vietnam and domestically reflect the credibility of the administration's action to halt the bombing in North Hill. Now, I went back. I want to give you the dates of these things. Uh, this has been going on, as I told you before, since June on this three. Point basis, number one, yeah. that they take the GVN into the conference, and two and three, that they not shell the cities and that they, they, they not abuse the DMZ. Right. We knew we could never get them to agree to it. You asked me one time, do they have to agree to all three? And I said, I don't want to put it that way, but they have to know right. that if they do it, we'll resume the bombing. Yeah. Now, I don't know what led them to this, but in the early part of October, they came in and said, now, if we would let the GVN come in, would you need anything else? What else would you need? Well, of course, we came back with these other points. They ran off then to annoy. I thought it was because uh, they had heard some speeches made in this country that indicated that uh, 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 that was to their interest and that they just wouldn't take it up. Right. I told you all that in effect in the October the 15th talk, these three points. Now, the other day, we we had, we had talked to Chew on October the 13th and stressed that we had to have these points, and he agreed. On October the 15th, we reviewed it with him again, and he bought a 36-hour period between the, stopping the bombing and the conference. On October the 23rd, he agreed to a three-day delay. On October the 28th, we agreed to the communique that we would both make a joint announcement. When and if uh, we could clear it with them, get them signed on. Then the traffic goes out that uh, Nixon will do better by you. Now, that goes to Chew i don't I, I didn't say as i said to you the other day i didn't say that you that with your knowledge i hope it wasn't uh, uh, but uh, uh well, as, as a matter of fact i'm not privy to the what you were doing of course but well the whole, the whole point is this i think one thing we have to understand here is that you know and i know that uh, within the there's, there's a hawk dove complex out there as there is here uh and that uh, Everybody's been saying, well, now, after the election, what will happen? And, of course, there is some some thought that Hanoi would rather deal now than deal later. Oh, yes. They, yeah. they think Nixon will be tougher, and it, I understand that, and I it, think that's one of the reasons you felt you had to go forward with the pause. But my point that I'm making is this, that, my God, I would never do anything to, to, to encourage Hanoi, I mean, Saigon, not to come to the table, because, basically... That was what you got out of your bombing pause. that good God, we want them over parents Paris. We've got to get them to Paris or you can't have a peace. Well, I think if you take that position, you're on very, very sound ground. That's what I said. I think it's very much in I, the interest of you. I said that the major thing that the president insisted upon and got was the right to of, high, of high, me, Saigon to be at that conference table. I and, said they and, must be at the conference table and I believe they should be, and that's why I said that I just felt that I ought to emphasize it. I said that, uh, I said, I know that would uh, that, uh, nobody going to win this, but if I do, I said, I'm president-elect, I personally pledged to President Johnson I would do anything. And I want to amplify that by emphasizing, by saying that I will do, if he and Secretary Rusk indicate that my presence in Paris or... Uh, Saigon, and if I want you to know, I'll do that. I go out there and talk to you if it's uh, Well, I think I, I, I or whatever you want. Just my judgment is now that from what I see and hear. Now, oh, let me read you what I said to you the other day, though, because apparently I don't know whether whether uh, you remembered or not. While this was going on, talking of these moves on these three points, we had gone out and talked to all of our allied countries, yeah. and they tentatively agreed. Now. Since that time, with our campaign going on here, we have had some minor problems develop. First, there have been some speeches that we ought to withdraw troops, or that we should stop the bombing without obtaining anything in return. That. Or some of our folks, even including some of the old China lobby, are going around and implying to some of the folks that they might get a better deal out of somebody that was not involved in this. Now, that's made it difficult on me, and it slowed things down some. I know that none of you candidates are responsible for it, because I'm looking at what you said to me when we talked last October 15th. Now, that's what I said, and I thought the think remark was... Uh, Uh, very much out of place saying that uh, I had left a wrong impression because I thought, and I think now, that you will come to the conference. But I had a firm agreement with him two or three times on the joint communique and everything else until he got this word. And when I I talked to you, I still thought that we could get him, and I think we can yet. But I did tell you we had problems. That was the impression I had when the three of us talked. The impression I had when you talked to the three of us that uh, you were confident he was going to come, You know, that you was going to come. And of course, that was what the backgrounder in Washington they reported indicated, too, that I just assumed he would come. But uh, well, we knew we had problems, Dick. don't think he's going to come? Well, we we, we we don't see what else he can do. If we stay together, yeah. we just think that uh, no people are going to support an effort where a man will not talk to anybody. Yeah. Well, one thing I said, and I thought you'd be interested in this, I made this point, which I feel very strongly about, that uh, let's suppose that, that I should win. Now, all right, then you've got... You've got you've Johnson and Nixon, and I pointed out that I have stood fairly close to you on this, on the, as I said, didn't answer to Larry Spivak that I have disagreed with the conduct of the war, but I agree. That I said publicly on Meet the press today, I said, look, and that's the only thing, I don't talk to anybody else, I said publicly, I said the South Vietnam ought to come to the conference table, and that if the President feels that I could be helpful in getting them to come, I'll go there. Yes, well that's fine. Now you tell Brother Fink that I told all of you the other day that we did have problems with these folks, and just... uh, what i said because i didn't mislead y'all i told you that we had to uh, you didn't mislead me i told i told the press today i said that i thought that uh, i got the impression that they were coming we uh, we all want them to come and hope they'll come and really believe they'll come i just don't think they can but i it's really a question of when they'll come that's right i said now this has made it difficult and it slowed things down a bit i don't I know that none of you candidates are responsible for it because I'm looking at the transcript. And then I said, the vice president said in, when I asked for comments, thanks much. Mr. Nixon said, well, as you know, this is consistent in my position. I made it very clear. I'll make no statements, undercut the negotiation. So we'll stay right on that and hope that this thing works out. And Mr. Wallace said, quote, Mr. President, that's my position all along. You stated it, and I agree with you, that we shouldn't play politics, so it might foul up the negotiations, unquote. And... and it, Wallace has
2: been very good
1: at this. Yes, case. he has. Both of you, I gave you the three quotes uh, that... has popped off, but Wallace has been good. Well, I, I didn't want... Uh, when they said Nixon, said the advi- Nixon, comma, said the advisor, felt that Saigon's refusal to attend would jeopardize the diplomatic situation and reflect the credibility on the administration's action.
2: That's just
1: why, that's that his true. highly placed aide said the South Vietnamese decision to boycott did not jibe with the president's assurances. I, 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 I hit that right in the nose today. The uh, campo of NBC asked me the question. I wish you could have seen the program because yeah. most of them thought it was pretty good. Good, good, Dick. Well, you, you know, just... Oh, yes, good you've got people. You, you've got people on your own staff over there that... That don't, you know, George Ball. Some of those guys are saying some god awful things. Well, George Ball's not on my staff. You know what I mean. But what I've got, I've got to. Uh, I've got both sides. Hanoi will look at one statement, the South Vietnamese look at the other. You just see it. Your people don't tell the South Vietnamese that they're going to get any better deal out of the United States government than than a conference. Yeah, and also uh, we've got to make sure that Hanoi knows they're not going to. Yeah, that's exactly right, and I'm I'm doing that. In fact. And the main thing that we want to have is a good, strong personal understanding. I mean, uh, after all, I I trust you on this, and I've told everybody that. And that when we, and that once this thing is over, if there's nothing I would rather do, if I win the election, than uh, to uh, to do anything that you think we have to do. Well, Dick, you noticed. Uh, you must uh, you must uh, uh, have noticed that uh, when we proposed the date. The date was not November the second, as suggested, but November the sixth. Yeah. Before, yeah I know. before any meeting occurs. Yeah. Incidentally, we. I Smathers, visited, under, Smathers understands that. Yeah, I visited Austin for the first time. Well, yes. It, and uh, it's a beautiful city. Yesterday, we we spoke in that new auditorium there, the the, the circular thing, and uh, I didn't get over to your library though. And, uh, well, we haven't, and got, got, your library is, we is. haven't got it. We have got it, bail Chat, but you have oh. to. We we're just starting. No, no, on that's it. What you talked about about the because I thought the uh oh, you are building it. Later. We're building it now. I get it. I get yeah. it. But it is in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. Well, I'll be in touch with you after Tuesday, and uh, you you see that your people that are talking to these folks make clear your position. You understand, of course. There are, will be there, there's this business, you know, some of Humphrey's people have been grateful. They said the bombing was going to help them and so forth. And our people say it hurts. Well, i tell you what I say. I say it doesn't help, doesn't affect the election one way or the other because because I've asked all the candidates to please support me and the other day all three of them said, you let it off but all three of them said, we'll back you, Mr. President. Right. Right. So I say it oughtn't affect the election one way and I don't think it'll change one vote. Well, anyway,
0: we'll have fun. Thank you, Dick. Bye. Thank you. After getting off the phone with uh, Vice President Nixon, uh, President Johnson calls Dean Rusk to talk about it.
1: Hi. Generally, that Nixon ought to tell his people to quit sending word out to be better for him, and he ought to just stay with the position he'd taken all along. He said Nixon's very distressed by what I told Erickson about this China lobby. I read him what I had said to Nixon the other day, and uh, also told him that uh, what this fellow Finch, Lieutenant Governor, quoted Nixon as saying, and uh, he'd been misled. All right. So Nixon called me. I told Irkesen that last night. Smathers at noon today, and then Nixon just hung up. Said he wanted to make it abundantly clear that. Uh, he knew nothing about it. anybody had been talking to him, and he knew George Ball and some of the other Humphrey people were very gleeful and said they pulled all this off, but he knew that wasn't right. And that they were appealing to Hanoi, and it was naturally guessed that some of his friends that thought that uh, he might be harder on Hanoi than I was, therefore Hanoi ought to meet now, that some of his friends might think that I would be harder on South Vietnamese. Than he would be, but that, that did not represent his view. Uh-huh. And that he was willing to go to Saigon see Chu immediately after the election, or to go to Paris, or to do anything that I asked him to do, or anything that you wanted him to do. Yeah, to him, uh, I'll meet the no, no. Still got I'll meet the that he wanted to be sure that that there's just one voice, and that he thought they were about out of the war, and he thought it could be wound up, and so on and so forth. So I told him that I hoped that his position would be with all of his people, tell him to quit telling any of the sympathizers one way or the other that there was but one American position, and that's one we'd taken, and he supported it. And he said, all right, he would do that. Now, I don't know whether he knows, and I don't want to question his sincerity, whether he knows what they're doing or not, but it's pretty obvious to me that they've had their effect. Yeah. Does this say anything about what effect it's having down his way? No, he didn't think it had any effect one way or the other. He said a lot of people thought it was political, that we had done it for political reasons. Yeah. And I think everybody I've talked to here, I thought they would interpret it that way, and I think a good many have. Yeah. I saw the leading papers here yesterday morning. I had the lead editorial saying that they were disappointed in me that I would hold out this long, but then I would cave in to the NLF the day before election and things of that kind. Yeah. And um, I, I went into my eyes, on, though I knew that uh, they would charge that. Uh, and uh, The other side would charge it after the election, and I just thought we had to take it up while we had it if we could get it. But, I got uh, myself it- any of this is going to change. Maybe? I don't think it's going to change a hundred votes.
2: Yeah.
1: But I think a lot of people think that that motivates us. Yeah. That's the question. Now, how do you see it as as of now? Well, I, um, uh, I don't know how to estimate the, the effect here. My guess is, as I said in the press conference today, I don't think it's going
2: to have much effect. Um, but I don't, I don't really think there's
1: much we can do to change the situation between now and Tuesday. In any event, I don't think you can't really getting uh, Saigon to announce publicly during the day tomorrow they're going to Paris, uh, that kind of thing. I told Nixon today and I think I'm right, I said we thought that you would come to this conference and he had signed on two or three times even to the joint communique yeah. but we knew we had problems and i stated to you that we had problems and i read him the paragraph where i said even yeah. the, uh, the old china lobby is operating again and causing us some problems out there and he said the I mean, press. he you personally of any uh, uh motives of this sort uh, he managed to get in with some, some of his advisors and say he said he'd disassociated himself from them, that, and then he said he'd go to, he, he thought that Saigon ought to go to the table in Paris, that he was willing to go to Paris the Saigon or do anything else that you wanted him to after the election. Um, that he, he thought you were doing the right thing and that uh, he, he was supporting you on it. But he managed to get in these other little wrinkles. Yes, I don't think they say these things without his knowledge. Yeah. Of course, sir. Well, certainly not without accuracy. Uh, it was uh, was Agnew doing the telephoning from uh, New Mexico? That's, Walt, uh, Walt said he was the only prompt man in New Mexico, and he could find that it. if Agnew was in New Mexico. And if he, if he did do this uh, just after my telephone call with him, then he and I have got a problem. Did he call you from New Mexico? I don't know where he called me from. I didn't have to take that with him. At the time, I thought nothing of it. See if your operator hadn't got that tomorrow. All uh, right. Well, what do we do now? Just say nothing. I would think we uh, we ought to hunt down and say nothing at this point. What about size to talk today? What do you think about that? Um, we're fine. Able to. and embarrassed by this situation, but uh, and if I'm being Hanoi is blushing a little bit over this over this situation, but. Uh, I think, Hanoi, that uh, Harriman and Cy ought to relax a bit to get it straightened out and not uh, not feel defensive, because we've, uh, we've done everything that we said we were going to do, and if we don't collect our side of it quite as soon as we hope to, Hanoi can not have to, because uh, uh, we don't have to take anything from Hanoi on that. Did we have an agreement with Hanoi on the 6th? Uh, yes, they were ready to meet on that that the 6th. That cable day. indicated today that they didn't, I thought that they didn't understand. They, they were angry because I mentioned the 6th. Oh, well, a... right. uh, uh, I wouldn't pay attention to that. But but we uh, indicated not before the 6th. Yes, that's what I thought. That's right, yeah. Is that what I said in the speech? No, uh, that's right. uh Abel irritated us? Uh, I think the uh, first place. Um, they've had as strenuous a week as we have. They've been on the phone 24 hours a day, and uh, I think both of them are I'm a little tired at this point. But uh, they are disappointed as we are, and since they're the ones that have to face these fellows across the table, um, I think they feel a little embarrassment, uh, which a professional negotiator should not feel. But I think they do. It's inevitable they would, I think. I guess they're giving South Vietnam a little hell. you think going to do? Do you think that he's... he's coming to the table, just, uh, regardless of which one of these fellows is, nominated, is elected.
2: I think that, that uh, he will come to the table when Nixon uh, says, I'm with the president, I'm, I want you to do what he wants you to do. Or if I'm elected,
1: he'll come to the table because he has no other alternative. I think he'll come. I think you ought to see that that transcript that meet the press goes out to bunker. Right. Nixon, meet the press. Right. What do you think I say? Just I got... Things and uh, I'm not going to say anything. We'll get back to Washington. I don't think I'm making a statement down there. Honestly. I'm not going to make any, but I'll be running into hundreds of reporters. I'm speaking at four o'clock. Well,
0: Some rumors that are going to start to go around uh, about this in Vietnam, um, because you know no one's really disputed much about whether Mrs. Chenault was trying to do some things. So uh, the Christian Science Monitor, a, a newspaper at the time or a magazine or whatever, uh, was tr- fishing the story around, and that led to President Johnson having a, a conference call. With Dean Rusk and Clark Clifford, and you learn a little bit about the technology of the '60s because, uh, unlike today, they're having a little trouble hearing each other. But you'll listen to this call as they discuss how to handle this story. And one other tidbit about this is: most of the time, when you hear a story about it, about this call, it's about how they put the country first and that they didn't because they didn't have the goods on Nixon, they didn't want it to go out, and and all this. The truth is, when you listen to this call. It's about how to deal with a story from the Christian, Monit- Christian Science Monitor. It's not some great strategy session about how to deal with President Nixon. So, again, wordplay with some of these folks that you hear through the years. And when they're done, uh, we'll move in our next episode back into real time uh, from, the, from our series on the upheaval of 1968, and we'll begin as the campaign closes in on the final stretch and once the election's over, there'll be another set of calls uh, that we'll have for you between President uh, Johnson and President-elect Nixon. And then a call between President Johnson and Democratic Senator from Florida, George Smathers, which will feature what I'll have kind of labeled as the unsmoking gun of the Chennault affair. And it will leave you with a question or two. Anyway, that is on our next episode of Bridging the Political Gap.
1: Um, Hello, Dean. I think you and Clark and uh, Walt ought to meet on this uh, uh, Savile Davis thing. And uh, uh, it concerns me a great deal. I don't want to uh, be in the position of being a McCarthy. Uh, I don't know much more. Then I told the candidates themselves the other day, which my notes will reflect there, namely that uh, these folks had tentatively agreed out there to go along, and then uh, uh, they started having doubts because uh, we had reports of uh, some folks, the old China lobby, contacting embassies, etc., Now, I can't get much more specific than that, A, because of the sensitivity of the source, and B, because of the uh, limited uh, uh, nature of the information. Uh, I told Smathers that, Senator Smathers, who called uh, saying that he understood from what I told Erickson that I was likely to uh, uh, make public uh, this information if uh, it were confirmed and if they kept interfering with it. Uh, I also told Erkson that uh, I believe that the friends of uh, one of the candidates was uh, reporting uh, to the folks out there that uh, they ought to wait. Uh, I did that on the basis of two things: one, uh, the intercept from the ambassador uh, saying that uh, uh, he had had a call and the boss said wait and so forth, and uh, 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 second, uh, this China lobby operation, the 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 madam involved. Now. I don't want to have information that ought to be public and not make it so. At the, uh, uh, on the other hand, we have a lot of. Uh, uh, I don't know how much uh, we can do there, and I know we'll be charged with trying to interfere with the election. And I think this is something that's going to require the best judgments that we have. I'm rather concerned by this uh, Savile Davis conversation with the embassy this morning. The The Christian Science Monitor man uh, called the embassy this morning and wanted to see the ambassador, and he was unavailable. He told the party answering that he wanted to check out a story received from his correspondent in Saigon that he planned to come to the embassy and wait until he could see him, that the dispatch from Saigon contained the elements of a major scandal, which involves the Vietnamese ambassador, and which will affect presidential candidate Nixon if the Monitor publishes it. Time is of the essence, inasmuch as Davis has a deadline to meet, if he publishes it. Right. He speculated that should the story be published, it will create a great deal of excitement.
2: Right.
1: Now, uh, what he gets from Saigon is well and good and fine, but uh, I, if he gets it from us, I want to be sure that, A, we try to do it such a way that our motives are not questioned, and that if the public uh, interest requires it, and two, and that's the only thing I want to operate under. I'm not interested in the politics of it. The second thing is, I want to be sure that what we say is can be
2: confirmed. Well, Mr. President, uh, I have a very uh, definite view on this. Uh, For what it's mm-hmm. worth, I do not believe
1: that any president can make any use of uh, interception, interceptions or telephone taps in any way that would involve politics. The moment we cross over that. Now, if um, yes, this story is coming out of Saigon, I don't myself see how it could have come from American sources in Saigon because we've been extremely careful not to pass along details of this sort of thing uh, out there. Uh, it could have come from South Vietnamese sources. I don't know. Did Simon Davis say from what kind of sources it came? No, he just, uh, he just says that uh, uh, he informed the ambassador. He wanted to check out a story received from a correspondent in Saigon, right. and he planned to come to the Embassy and wait for Ambassadors to see him. Now, he has also tried to see the White House. Well, I would, uh, I would think that we are, that since, um, since we are not involved in any contact that the Republicans might have had uh, with the South Vietnamese ambassador that this is a matter on which only the Republicans could comment, and that we we stay out of it completely. I really think it would be um, very unwise. I mean, we we got a lot of information through these special channels that we don't make public. um, I mean, for example, some of the uh, malfeasances of senators and congressmen and other people that we don't make public. um, And I think think we must continue to respect the uh, classification of that kind of material. And uh, I think that all, 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 we, all we can say is that um, that uh, uh, we're not going to comment on such matters. That's for, that's for others to comment on it if they have anything to say on it. Uh, but to be very sure that we ourselves are not ourselves putting out this story. Mark, do you have any reaction? Uh, I couldn't. Uh, I could not hear what Dean said.
2: I can't hear whoever that is. I can hear the president very clearly, but I, all I can hear is Dean's voice, but I can't get his words.
1: Well, Dean just says he doesn't he doesn't think that we can uh, confirm or say anything or have any comment in connection with it on the basis of the sensitivity of the information. Well, I, I would think there'd be a good deal of merit to that. I'd go on to another. And that is, I think that some elements of the story are so shocking in their nature that I'm wondering whether it would be good for the country to destroy. Well, I have no doubt about that, but what about the story being published and our knowing of it and our our being charged with hushing it or something? Oh, I think on, on that respect, I don't believe I don't believe that would bother me. Uh, I think that uh, uh, there's amount of information that we have that we don't think we should publicize. It has, sensitivity of the sources, it has to do with the absolute, the absolute proof, so I don't believe we have the kind of story that we would be justified in putting out. Fine, I think both of you have a paragraph from this report so you can look at it, and also a question from Nixon in the light of uh, what uh, his people are doing again today. They are going back over this thing, and he's having Senator Tower to say it's politics and stuff like that. But in this conversation the other day, which you were present, I said to him that uh, This thing, we had had these three propositions up to them for some time, since certainly the early part of October they were nibbling. That because of some speeches, I had in mind the Bundy and Humphrey speeches, and Humphrey was on the other end of the line, Uh, and certainly McCarthy's type of stuff. Uh, Because of certain speeches, uh, uh that were made at that time i don't know what effect they had but anyway they went off and uh kind of let up for a week or so to hanoi uh since that time uh we had gone out to our allies and got them to tentatively agree emphasize tentatively agree that this would be a wise move then the old china lobby starts Uh, operating, uh, contacting some embassies and others, and uh, uh, that interferes with the situation that I I knew from what they had said to me previously, the three candidates, that they were not uh, being responsible for this. Uh, but that I thought they ought to know that it created some minor problems, and we were trying to work them out. A little later, Nixon asked the question whether we would stop bombing the South, and then said, "Uh, of course, Mr. President, I know you don't know whether the conference will come off or not, implying that I had made my point that they had these problems. Uh, but uh, uh, would you stop bombing the South? And I told him no, uh, I wouldn't, and so forth. Now, he takes the position that uh, he, he was under the impression that South Vietnam was going to be at the conference, and I told him yesterday we are all hoping it would be at the conference, and we uh, had believed up until this China thing got into it that we uh, we had reason to believe that on two or three separate occasions that the president uh, 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 shared our view. But uh, after this got into it, it created some doubt, and I told him of that doubt. Uh, he would keep running away from it. I remind him that a time or two. Uh, I noticed that uh, a little bit later uh, uh, he, he said in uh, California, Uh, Something that kind of confirmed what he said on Meet the Press that all of us thought South Vietnamese would be there and so forth, but he didn't say that he had been warned. Now, he has been warned. That may be a little too strong a word for it, but we told him we did have a problem with it, and he knew that. And I confirmed that with Humphrey yesterday, too. So I think, Walt, you ought to get, uh, uh, I'll get Jim Jones to put on the wire to you, Walt, the two paragraphs I have in mind. you see that they get to one for you and one to Rusk and one to uh, Clifford. I have them. I can send them very quickly, sir. Well, you get the Nixon question, and you also get uh, uh, the, there's a good part there. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to get it to you, because uh, I, I specifically want to show you what I want them to see. Uh, what do you say, Dean? That's
2: right. That's right. I, uh, I just think that our strongest position here is,
1: if such a story is going to run, and my guess is they'll publish it anyhow, is for us to say that well, we're in we're in no position to get into that kind of thing. Not confirm it, but uh, even no comment from us would would tend to leave open the possibility there might be something in it. But, it- but I just think it's, that it's not for the president of the secretary of state to appear to get into that story at all. Uh, is that your opinion, Clark? I
2: see.
1: I still can't hear Dean, Mr. President. Dean says it's his opinion that we should just say we cannot get into that at all, period. Well, I'd better have a talk with Dean about it. I think that would indicate that maybe we've had information that shows up.
2: do we I, hang up, why don't I the directly? I can hear it. You do that and uh, I can't hear it here, so
1: I, Okay, you do that and I'll get this information to you and you three get together right away and I will proceed on the assumption that uh, we just do nothing and say nothing and stay out of it, and you all do the same thing. and I don't think Walt should see Savile Davis. He wants to see Walt now. I told him
2: that I would not see him, sir. That's
1: My good. Told him I would not okay. See
2: him. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you still on, Walt?